0: Welcome to Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. On today's episode, we break down the off-season for the Philadelphia 76ers, some of the additions, subtractions. Uh, In addition, we take a look at the ongoing drama, both James Harden and Joel Embiid related. And then we take a spin looking on the positive side of things, looking at Tyrese Maxey, his uh, locked-in-the-gym focus mentality, his contract extension that will eventually come, so the Sixers say, and also the outlook for new head coach, Nick Nurse. All that and more on the first episode of Still Processing a 76ers Podcast. Welcome again to Still Processing, a 76ers podcast, the newest, the latest, the greatest edition uh, in, in Sixers podcasting, the latest for PSN, Philly Sports Network's podcast tree. Uh, really a, a, a hello and a welcome back of sorts, uh, as you may recall, us, both myself, Zach Chavalella and my main guy, Justin Crosby, here, and we will be bringing you the latest, the juiciest news, and some behind the scenes for the Philadelphia 76ers for this season and going forward. So, Justin, for the first episode of Still Processing, I just got to say, how you doing, man?
1: Good to be back. Absolutely. The, ain't that the, the band truth? is back together.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, up for a fresh ride, but uh, a little bit of the same, a little bit something different, and we are very, very much looking forward to it. Uh, You know, as as many people are getting a little bit, uh, I would say, kind of stir crazy uh, as we continue to ride around this uh, this this processing ride. Just a a reminder to everybody. Hey, we're all still processing. All right. And that's now and that's going forward. That's just Philadelphia basketball. And that's just what the truth is. You know, so uh, we'll be going bringing in some of the Sixers news. Like I said, myself, Justin, our producer, Uriah Young or the producer, Andy Quach. Okay, and we're going to be bringing you a lot of this great Sixers news and some of the not-so-great stuff. And so when we talk about the not-so-great stuff, of course, we talk about this offseason for the Sixers. You know, let's 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 try and focus on the positive as best we can. You know, uh, it's the only way we're going to process through this. But let's look at some of the additions. You know, they brought in Patrick Beverly, veteran guard. They brought in Mo Bamba, who I would say, in addition to Paul Reed, uh, is – I would call the best backup center. I would even put him potentially above Andre Drummond in terms of backups that Joel Embiid has had. So, Justin, what are your initial thoughts of those two additions, Pat Bev and Mobama?
1: Um, Honestly, um, I like the Pat Bev move, although I feel like it's two years too late. Um, I feel like, you know, He was balled in here, uh, definitely needed a defensive-minded guard um, as well. But you would think that, you know, with James Harden's situation, maybe they were trying to appease James since, you know, they want him to stay. But um, I think overall, I mean, it might be, you know, a couple years too late, but I do think Pat Beth still has enough in the tank to contribute. I don't say on a nightly basis, but, you know, Contribute to the team as much as he can defensively, I think is where they're going to really need him. And I just think that the best thing about his signing is (laughs) the havoc he's going to cause and how much he's going to feed into the crowd stuff. And I just can't wait for him to like get like a crazy steal or like get a crazy flop offensive foul on the other team. And like him, like waving to the crowd like he was in Minnesota when they won that, uh, That play in game, so I'm excited about that. Um, Mobamba, you know what? I'm a little bit on the iffy side. Um, Mobamba has a lot of potential, like a lot of potential offensively and defensively. But um just didn't work in Orlando for whatever reason, maybe because Orlando has 17 centers and power forwards, and it just didn't necessarily fit. Um, he has some versatility though, which I do like. Um <clears throat> Which uh, you know, we've seen him come off of down screens and shoot threes and stuff against the sixers. So he has some versatility, different, um, you know, a different type of style. But um, I'm just a little bit on the curious side on that one. Um he is a backup, so I, you know, he's coming in understanding his role, but um I'm a little bit iffy on the Mo Bamba. What about you?
0: Yeah, you know, looking at Bamba first, it like you said, it didn't really work out in Orlando, uh, didn't really work out in LA even, uh, you know, an injury was certainly a part of that. Uh, I do wonder what Mo Bamba is going to look like, uh, in, in this, you know, new Nick nurse Philly system, you know, does, does having a, a coach such as Nick nurse change some things about Bamba, how he's used, uh, you know, bring out some of the, uh, real, kind of diamonds in the, you know, the roughage that is Mobamba and and kind of maximize his potential almost, you know. Uh, we talked about his kind of two-way ability. Uh, his, his ability in, in uh, pick game is is definitely clear. You know, he's not only going to be uh, a real big target in the roll game, but also he can pop and he can hit that 3 too You know, you can even um, – not that they would place him in the corner too, too much, I don't think, unless they're pairing him with Paul Reed, which, again – is a possibility, but uh, you know he he can kind of wear a couple different hats for you, and I, I I got some real value for that for for a bench guy. So Mobamba is at the veteran minimum. I mean, just I say it's a quality move just because what do you got to lose? You know, you still have Paul Reed uh, who can who can back him up if the Mobamba experiment doesn't go well, and he has a chance to thrive playing alongside Bomba too, or playing oh. around, alongside Reed, I should
1: say. And I I do I understand that especially at the vet minimum signing it's just something about um I don't know you've you've heard things about well I've heard things or, or read things yeah. I going say heard things but I not. I already know things.
0: where you're going with it yeah but no you're right read things
1: about his you know just his attitude and his work ethic and yeah. stuff like that um so just wondering what that would be like but maybe you're right A nurse and his apparent crazy mind and antics maybe yeah. he'll bring out the best of him and you know joel joel will probably bring out the best of him by cooking him in practice every day so he'll have to come with his a game
0: well that's the thing you know is uh, are are they going to bring out the best in each other or are they going to bring out the worst in each other you know I, I trying to be a hopeful optimist would say the former and, and you know look at these two guys who they are competitive with each other going up against each other as much as they will now going forward uh hopefully they do bring out the best in each other and they don't kind of fall into some of those you know, uh, not desirable tendencies, uh, that we've seen from both of them on occasion. But, uh, that's, that's kind of, I feel like where Pat Bev steps in a little bit too, where, you know, you mentioned how he, you know, he might not be a contributor every night, you know, maybe on the box score, he may not be a contributor every night, but if I'm being flat honest, I, I see his, his energy, his, uh, basically acting almost like a player coach of sorts, uh, I see that impacting the Sixers almost every single given night. I mean, you look at how he impacted the Bulls. It wasn't his stats that led to that Bulls team getting better. You know, his his veteran presence. You know, his determination. Like, and again, yeah, like you talked about getting the guy two years too late. Like, that's just the story of Philadelphia, if you ask me. But like Pat Bev in particular, I think is a guy who goes beyond what he puts on the on the stat sheet. Uh, so I think from that perspective. He can still definitely impact the game. So uh, he's not going to be, I mean, listen, if they do move on from Harden, which of course it's looking like they will, do I see him starting next to Tyrese Maxey? Of course not. You know, I see this being a reserve role, uh, but I think that Beverly can play that role fine. Uh, It's just finding that balance between knowing how to maximize him and not overtasking him at the same time, because there's just certain things that you can't, expect from a player of Beverly's uh, skill set and also at this point in his career you have to understand what you're getting and I think you are getting a lot but you have to understand how to utilize that and maximize it so that's that's the job for Nick Nurse and we'll see if he's if he's up to task for that uh, but that's a lot on our additions here again Pat Bev Mo Bomber it's, not the sexiest off season, right? But I mean, when you look at the vet minimum, it's like you can do a lot worse, and the Sixers certainly have in the past. But if we take a turn and look at the subtractions, we're losing a couple fan favorites. I mean, Shake Milton gone, George Niang gone, and then trade acquisition last season, Jalen McDaniels gone as well. Like to lose all three of those guys, especially Shake Milton and George Niang, that that hurts. You know, not only on the court, but that hurts in the fan heart. You know. So what of this did you take away? Who, who was the the biggest loss, do you feel, uh, and and how do you think the Sixers can kind of overcome and mitigate these losses?
1: So I think the biggest loss to me was Niang. Um, just because of his willingness to shoot, um, no conscience, I feel like Niang is one of the first guys Sixers have had um who just know their role and is to shoot threes open contested whatever you know just to get those three-point attempts up because as we know you know if it wasn't for any yang and some of the other quick trigger maybe be and sometimes but um just more so like quick trigger guys um I think that spacing uh will be missed for Joel um I think Joel trusts he trusted um, Niang as well, so I think um, he'll be the biggest. I mean, Shake fan favorite. You know, I, I don't feel like he always got a fair opportunity under Doc, but when he was given minutes, especially this past year with the injuries to Harden and Maxi throughout the season, that he did deliver where he was supposed to. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Shake and maybe a, possibly a better role, more playing time in Minnesota, maybe. Um, and then McDaniel's. To be honest, I mean, we didn't get a really chance to see enough of him to really determine, like, what type of impact he would have on the team going forward. Um, you would think that because they traded Matisse and traded a high second-round draft pick. But I think that the heart and stuff just muddied the waters for everybody. I mean, I think free agents may have wanted to stay, but it was just, like, who do you get back in the heart and deal, right? So, like, is there going to be room for McDaniels? Is there going to be room for Niang? You know, although the Sixers might have liked them back, but, you know, he got a bag in Cleveland and there's no way you could turn that down. So it's like the heart and stuff muddied the water for everybody, to be honest with that. But I mean, as far as mitigating what we lost, I mean, I think Shake was a combo, uh, offensive combo guard first, which I think allowed. Um, you know, him to feed off of beat and be more of a scorer and stuff like that. So I do think that they'll miss that because be- Beverly will not do that. I mean, they still have Melton, who is, you know, has some offensive game as well, but it's not the same. But as might be Shea.
0: stepping into a starting role, too. That's the other yeah, thing. Yes,
1: that... yes. So you mentioned later. I agree. And then, you know, as far as, like, McDaniels, again, we didn't really see enough to determine what it was going to be. I mean, he showed some some flashes, you know, where he could contribute going forward. But I think one thing – and that's nitpicky, but he just fouled too, too much. And he I think – He did do that. Yeah, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think that, like, if you – I'm not saying that guys don't get in foul trouble in the league, right? But I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you're counted on to be – a top seven guy, top eight guy, even a potential starter, right? Because there's a point in time we think that, hey, he might be Tobias' replacement, right? Like, yeah, foul too much, can't trust him to be on the court enough. So I can see why they may have allowed him to walk. Um, but, yeah, again, I just think the heart and stuff muddied the waters on the money for everybody. And the, and the yeah. playing time or potential positions, like you miss Simon McDaniels, but then say if you get – I don't know from the Clippers. I'm just making it up. Say you get – um you know, Morris back and Batum back or something like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say the James Harden stuff did kind of muddy the water a little bit for uh, not only who they have, but other potential free agents, Uh, you know, alongside of that, you know, what I would say is that it kind of changed the whole future dynamic for the Sixers. You know, if he, if Harden doesn't opt into his player option, you know, I, I I do think that there is a, a world, you know, an alternate universe in which the Sixers do bring back some of these guys and, and invest a little bit in free agency because you're talking about essentially $35 million. When I say off the books, that's not open cap that you can use, but uh, obviously that it would give you uh, different implications as far as what exceptions you can use, you know, which bird years you can implement for, for certain players, you know, uh, being able to retain. I think George Yang's contract, you know, although great for him, very happy for him that he got that, it probably would have been a little irresponsible to bring him back at that number. You know, Cleveland got a great player, obviously. They certainly compensated him for it, so I think it probably not in Philadelphia's best interest to match that, and, but when and, you look at shake yeah.
1: And I don't want to, I never want to say overpay, but I think they really like. You can tell they really, really, sure. really needed spacing and shooting with the lineup yes. that they do with Mobley and and Island and stuff like that. And I think they over- and they won the bidding war. It.
0: You know, yeah. that's that's yeah. what you can say that they won the bidding war for. Yep. Him. And that's you know, congrats to Cleveland. Congrats to George. Uh, wish him the best of luck. It it's something that was too, clearly too rich for Philadelphia's blood, uh, and I think that might be kind of a mutually beneficial. Uh, decision, even though you know it, it is uh, tough for the fan base to lose someone and and the team too. Uh, you know, Niang was was well liked and respected in that locker room. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to kind of miss talking to him after the game because uh, he was one of the coolest, most down to earth guys uh, in that media room post game. Uh, but you know, life goes on. You know, when you're talking about guys like Shake Milton and, and Jalen McDaniels, you're talking about guys on kind of smaller deals where it's a little more. It seems as though it would be more realistic for the Sixers to have retained those guys. Uh, Shake Milton, obviously, you're losing that offensive uh, weapon, like you mentioned. It just kind of felt like Shake's time to go, you know. And and I I wish I wasn't saying that, but a lot of that is is just the inconsistency that he saw uh, and the lack of aid from the coaching department that he saw in his time here. Just for his own sake, for his own growth, I think another opportunity is is wise for him. And then Jalen McDaniels, I mean, you talked about him fouling too much. Just one thing I want to bring up with that. Uh, and and not that Jalen McDaniels, you know, <laughs> it would have been title or bust with Jalen McDaniels, but all this just to say, like you have a young player who's taking on a little bit more of a role. Uh, and if he fouls too much, you know, maybe you should give him some minutes in the regular season where he can kind of iron that out and, and get a little bit better on that end. You know, like that's just the thought. So in Toronto, I'm sure he's going to have a bit more of an opportunity to do that. And if he has the right coaching too, maybe he eventually overcomes that fouling issue. We'll see. Maybe it's something he never overcomes, but you, you kind of can't decide that without giving him the opportunity. Not that's what you were saying, of course, but that's kind of how it felt in Philadelphia where he was kind of damned before even given the opportunity. So uh, good luck to all three of those players, you know, uh definitely going to be to be sorely missed especially talking about shake talking about george uh but when we look at the roster as a whole would you even be able to say or 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 what end do you fall on is this team as it stands right now compared to last year is it better or worse than it was this time last year
1: i feel it's worse um and i feel it's worse because i feel like You have to have some optimism with a new coach and stuff like that, right? But I just think the roster is in flux, right? Moves could have been made. There are, of course, other guys out there, whatever, but who still haven't signed yet and who could be waiting. It's like a lot of dominoes to drop, right? The Dame stuff, the Harden stuff, whatever else comes about. But I just think that worse because, yes, there are – the same players, core players as last year, but I just feel like the drama and the roster and flux makes them be in a worse position. Um, I mean, you're definitely losing some shooting, um, and some athleticism, but I, like I said, I just think that because the trade stuff in the roster and flux, I just think that it, it leaves the Sixers off in a worse position. Now, if something happens and They get some different pieces and before training camp and stuff like that, I feel like, you know, we might be able to have a different conversation. And again, I do understand it's the same core pieces that were, what, went away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I do understand that, but I just think the situation is totally different. Last year seemed to be much more of a normal offseason, much more, you know, preparation going into training camp on what the roles were going to be. Nobody knows what the roles are going to be. The only thing we know is that Joel Embiid is the reigning MVP and he's probably the constant. We know that Maxi is, and we'll talk about that later, you know, expected it's a lot more is expected home specifically from his coach who has called out and said that he wants to put Maxi in different positions to succeed and be better. Right. And then after that, what do we know? All right. If Tobias is on the team, which it seems like he is, all right, we know what we'll get from him. But after that, like, Everything's in flux. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I, I say worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's kind of, it's, it's an easy question to answer, but that doesn't make it a pointless question if that makes sense. Uh, I think it's, it's very easy to say that they are worse this time than they were last year. Uh, but you really have to get into the why behind that, you know, the reason why that is. And, and like you pointed out, it's the James Harden situation. And this is why. You know, some may be pulled to say this is why Daryl Morey needs to solve this this problem ASAP. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think more so the, the stance should be this is why Daryl Morey needs to get the James Harden move right. You know, where it, even if it doesn't happen within the next day, the next week, shoot, even the next month, you know, if it's the difference of getting an extra first round pick or getting an extra contributor during the season, you know we can talk about you know, star hunting all we want and, and trying to bring in another superstar level player like but if we're, if we're talking a little more realistically you know if playing hardball like this does lead to an increase in assets of you know what you're getting in return for James Harden then yeah that'll be worthwhile and and that will potentially change the outlook on the situation i mean if you're theoretically getting let's say two players you know and and if you're getting two players for Harden you're talking about like Norm Powell and uh, Marcus Morris, if the money's right. Uh, if you're talking about just that versus a package where you're getting, you know, I know Terrence Mann hasn't been the the end-all be-all of the deal, but let's say he's included and in a first-round pick, plus Powell and uh, and Morris, and you send back PJ Tucker to to play with James Harden again, like that already is is a better deal than the first one of of just Powell and Morris, you know. So it's uh, it, it all depends on what the situation ends up unfolding as, which if there's one thing that this situation is, it's absolutely unpredictable. Uh, We'll get into more of that just a little bit, but that is absolutely the word for it. So we don't know what's going to happen between, uh, listen, August is almost over, but this could all change drastically by September. Like that's how volatile the situation actually is. So, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of happens going forward. As of now, the team is worse, but Nick Nurse said it himself, and this is kind of where you get almost like a little it's, it's like a pro and a con at the same time where you, you hear your brand new coach say that the roster is expected to look uh, significantly different by opening day effectively. Uh, and on the one hand, you're like, oh, okay, well, they'll probably solve the James Harden situation by then. That's good. And then you're also thinking about how, hey, my coach is going into his first year with the team with a team that's going to look significantly different by you know the time that tip off of game one of the regular season starts. Like at what point, Is he going to have enough time to kind of iron out those details and and really even game plan for having those guys? So that's kind of the struggle facing the team.
1: Right, and I think that – I think that Nurse – sorry. I think that Nurse and maybe Maury's thinking, right, are we got the core pieces. These are the things that we've done the last couple of years. Your job is to tinker with whatever we have, right, and, you know, whatever, try stuff throughout the year and use whatever roster we have and go from there. And I think that they feel like, and when I say they, I mean Maury, Brand, Joel, you could say, the owners, whatever, they feel that to get them over the hump is they need more creativity, And maybe that's what they're focused on, right? Because, I mean, he's going to do new and different things regardless who's on a roster or not, right? So if it's James Harden in the role, cool. If it's somebody else in the role, cool too. They're still going to do whatever he wants them to do as far as these new things. So I think ultimately I just feel like Nurse is like, listen, just get me a – team a competitive team by the time we get to the playoffs right like or trade deadline and I have the MVP I'm the one who's probably guarding him the best in the league with all these gimmicky gimmicky but different strategies let's make sure that throughout the season we work on getting Tyrese Maxey more involved or better chances and getting better so when the playoff time comes You know, I can do these little mad scientist stuff and we could, you know, get past the hump. So I don't think it's necessarily like new coach roster and flux thing. I just think that at this point, Nurse knew what he was walking into. And honestly, yeah, during his press conference when he was like, we would like James back, I feel like he was lying through his teeth. I feel like he like, just go, right? They expected him to leave anyway, so.
0: You got the feeling it was it was part of the interview was was talking about uh, the lack of Harden's future in Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I think if anything, it is something that uh, well, I'll put it to you this way: no matter what way it is resolved, uh, <laughs> few people are looking forward to the situation being resolved more than Nick Nurse. Uh, but as far as what the game plan is going forward, you know, I, I do think that there's a lot of merit to what you're saying as far as uh, you know Nurse effectively making the game plan around Harden around, or uh, around Embiid rather around Tyrese Maxey. Uh, and I think a lot of that was shown because the, the organization and whether this is truly how they feel, or if they're trying to spin positively the PR of his still pending extension, whatever the case may be, but it seems like they're really leaning into the Tyrese Maxey is our other star angle. So, uh, you know, if they do find a way to maximize Maxey, obviously that is, fantastic i think tobias harris is going to play a large role with the team this season personally i don't even expect him to be dealt at the trade deadline uh with how this whole season has gone but if they can kind of figure out the generic plan and then really just kind of plug in guys uh as as they go from there on out uh it is kind of the benefit of having an x's and o's coach like nick nurse as opposed to a legacy coach like doc rivers you know where you can kind of do you can kind of do that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, But really, it, it's not going to matter unless you kind of figure things out with the big fella. That's where it starts with Philadelphia. That's going to be Nick Nurse's priority. That is the Sixers' priority. Like, among everything else, James Harden drama, building the new stadium, you know. And, I, and I'm not talking about just Josh Harris. Josh Harris's priority is the stadium. But if you're talking about the other guys, you know, Joel Embiid and, and making sure that he's – maximized and satisfied, you know, that is a priority for the 76ers. Uh, and that's kind of what makes <sighs> you can understand to a degree kind of some of the social media mind games that, you know, he's played a little bit, you know, he's and Embiid, you know, we know this, like, this is not new. Uh, like Maxie said on his podcast about the Harden situation, like this isn't our first rodeo as far as Joel Embiid's uh, social media trolling either. But uh, amidst, like, all the the social media games, all the trade rumors, everything like that, uh, you know, it's just, it's up to Nick Nurse, it's up to Daryl Morey, uh, and I would even say to a degree Tyrese Maxey, just to kind of keep Embiid satisfied. And that doesn't just mean, like, This this isn't like catering to his every need. This is like putting together a respectable team where you... Embiid can demand a trade at any moment. Any player can demand a trade at any moment. But if you don't give him a reason to, then it really speaks a lot more volumes about that player than it does the organization. And that's what the Sixers can't afford. They can't afford to give Joel a reason to ask out. And knowing... To a very small degree, you know, how he just over the past 10 years that he's been in Philadelphia, uh, how he tends to think, how he views himself in relation to other players over history. I think it would take still even more for MB to seriously entertain the thought of leaving. Uh, but it is something that you kind of have to be on like, you know, orange alert for if you were the Philadelphia 76ers. So just real quick, I only want to kind of super touch on this real fast before we get into the the James Harden situation. But uh, the social media games
1: for Embiid, uh, tired of him or not? Honestly, I don't really care. And I don't really care because I know that's not a, the best take, but I just don't care because this is who he is, right? He's always been that guy to do the different things on social media. And he calmed down a little bit, but that's just in his nature. That's his personality. And listen, it is what it is like he's human like the rest of us, right? So he knows what's going to rile people up just like he knows, like, what will rile him up. Like, I'm sure this situation with hurt and, like, he's probably annoyed with, right? Stuff with Ben probably annoyed him. Like, so it's just, like, I'm playing for this franchise. Over and over again, some stuff is happening, right? Like, the owner is talking about me, right? Like, like what is happening on, on Twitter? So it's, like, I just feel like that is who he is and how he copes or deal with whatever is going on. And if it's him trolling the fans, then, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, I would rather him troll the fans in the city instead of flat out going to Ramona Shelbourne and telling her that he wants to trade. Like, seriously, like, whatever way he has to get his steam off, cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point that I never really considered. Like, if that's the alternative – uh, I, I don't know that it's exactly one of those or the other, but, uh, you know, if that is him kind of blowing steam, kind of venting, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think that most people in Philadelphia would, you know, and, and maybe they wouldn't say this openly, you know, because they would try and <laughs> the, the go-to reaction is so emotional in Philadelphia and it's, uh, it's the best and the worst thing about, you know, fandom in Philly. Uh, so you'd probably get a lot of negative reaction, even if it was just him venting, blowing off steam. But, uh, all the same, yeah, is it better than him going to Ramona? Is it, is it better than him, uh, just actively saying that he wants to be traded? And this is more so like how you add more time for the Sixers to rectify the situation. Like, if that's the case, then yeah, that's, that's a positive spin there. Uh, really what it comes down to me is like, I, I honestly just, I, there are days I just get so sick of Twitter, man. Like it's, it's, it is like there, I've, I've seen amazing things and been a part of amazing experiences on Twitter. And then there's certain things that just, and everyone's experienced both sides of this, I feel like, where it's just mind numbing and exhausting. And you, you just, it's not a, it's hear me. It's not a shut up and dribble kind of thing because Like Joel, yes, is a basketball player before that. He's a person. So if he's frustrated, like absolutely express that frustration. That is, that is absolutely, you know, every human's right to express that kind of frustration. Um, I would much rather him openly call out the team on Twitter. Uh, And this isn't realistic, but if he, (laughs) not quite what James Harden did in China with Daryl Morey, but if he tweeted out, like, this is some bullshit, you know what, like, about like, the latest situation, like, I would prefer that over, you know, the, the, is he talking about a, a football match or is he talking about basketball? Like, that's, that's only, that's my only thing. Like, I, I'm just not one for trolling. Joel is, and that's, that's up to him, man. Uh, but I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I also just need a break because, uh, it's just, just, you know, all Sixers fans, I feel like, need a break right now because uh, not only is the Joel Embiid situation kind of mind-numbing, but the James Harden situation too, which we're going to fly through this because I want to talk about some positivity, okay? Uh, but with James Harden, man, listen, we, we made it through Ben Simmons. We came through the other side. And I'll tell you this, we went right back in that desert. You know, it did not take long, but but Sixers fans – are right back it almost feels like where you started but also a little bit worse like you know you you look at a guy like Harden he somehow has less trade value than Ben Simmons in that situation uh he he is I think a stylistically more useful player just when you think about him kind of in a vacuum which is the only problem is that James Harden doesn't come in vacuums you know uh you're kind of more so looking at a situation where he plays to the beat of his own drum, you know, which is it's whatever it's cool for him, you know, and if that drum ends up going to LA and you know, that's, that's great for him. You know, that's, that's totally cool by me. Uh, but it's just, I, I feel as though it's definitely reached the point where it has to change. It's just a matter of still making sure that you get the proper compensation for it. Uh, I I I think Daryl has come to reason with that. There's been a lot of, you know, we're hoping to bring James back. We're hoping to bring James back. I think that's kind of like coach speech. You know, I, I don't really think that's uh, still kind of legitimately on the table because how could it be? You know, especially after the the comments in China where he calls Maury a liar and then the NBA has the investigation. Harden has to cough up 100K. And yeah, the the Players Association is kind of trying to fight it, but it's also kind of like you know, we're we're just kind of doing this because this is a prominent player, and we kind of feel like we have to. Like, I feel like everybody kind of understands that, like, this fine is is gonna stick, and it probably should. You know, so it w- with all this James Harden situation, you know, uh, what is your, I guess, like your pain tolerance left for for this Harden situation? Are you in that stage where like you need this done tomorrow, I'm numb, baby. or are you holding out hope?
1: I'm numb, baby. We've <laughs> been through so much.
0: But they can't um, no, hurt you no, any more than they already it, no, have. It sounds no, like.
1: no. It's just like meme or something, <laughs> or yeah. like video or on Twitter. Oh yeah,
0: like. this is fine. Yeah, the dog in yeah, the that, fire. It's sure. like it's yeah. this thing
1: where it's like yeah. somebody just get beat up at a bar and somebody put like, yeah. "This is what other fans think it is." Like being a Twitter, like being a Sixers fan, where I cannot be hurt. Yeah. Like I, I cannot be hurt. Like I'm numb. I like I've seen. And we've seen so much, right? Been a part of so much these last couple of years with this team. So it's like nothing could hurt me. We can somehow yeah. – the Sixers could somehow flip James Harden for, I don't know, somehow get Paul George in the deal or maybe yeah. somehow get DeMar DeVos or whatever, like they just flip it for another guy. Or they can flip him for whatever, two peas in a pot, and I wouldn't be surprised either way and – it's just we've just been through so much. So it's like I wanted to be over, but then it's like I don't care because I want the team to be successful, of course, right? That's obvious. But
0: yeah.
1: at the end of the day, like you have been given this gift of Tyrese Maxey. Just let the wings fly. And – Hope that he can continue to show the improvement that he's shown every single time. Every single time he's shown improvement. And just allow him that room to grow. And yeah, right, you might not get to the Eastern Conference Finals next year. But Tyrese Maxey being much improved, going into the latter stages of Joel's career, I think is better for the team then putting all your eggs in the basket and trying to, cause like to me flipping for a new star, a new star, a new star that hasn't worked. We finally got some homegrown talent that's putting the work in to be better. Yeah. He can't help that. He's six, two or six, one or whatever, but he's working to be better every summer. And I have super faith in the kid that he'll be able to be better. So I'm like, yo, just let the guy walk. If you get Norm Powell back, cool. You can flip him later for something else, but, let Tyrese let this be Maxie's team and Joel's team, and we go from there. Mm-hmm. Simple, that's just how I feel.
0: So that's why yeah, I have I the main
1: tolerance because I'm like, Maxi is going to be the key here anyway, no matter if he's yeah. here or he's not here. There's going to be emphasis on him being better, learning how to I don't say learning because he clearly he's a basketball player, but mm-hmm. getting better when the pick and roll, which is making mm-hmm. those long corner passes, being able to get other people open. I think that is going to be his biggest thing. And just playing with more pace, like be a little more herky-jerky. You so fast, stop and let somebody running back at you like Trey Young does. Mm -hmm. And get an easy bucket, like stuff like that. I think when he gets more savvy to his game, it's over. I really do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to think about the fact that he's still so young, you know, like he is going to develop, you know. And I get the numbness. Uh, I, I, I would say just my, you know, I, I, I'm definitely over it, but I, I don't know that I'm quite numb, you know, like you, you you're talking about the memes earlier. Like, you know, if I'm anything, you know, I'm, I'm the Simpsons meme, you know, like he's already dead. Like just enough, like you gotta stop. Like, I'm just, dude, I I can't take, you know, much more of it, but, uh, it's the thing is that there's always more of it, you know, like that's, that's the thing is, you know, we we've lived through the process, you know, there's been, there's been worse times than the process in, in, in Sixers fandom history, you know? Uh, And then even looking at greater Philadelphia fandom, you know, the Phillies are, uh, I believe they're still the, the most losing organization uh, the most losses, you know, in, in, in history, maybe not percentage, but most losses in baseball history like there's and and the Eagles have gone through their doldrums, obviously the flyers right now, like uh, there's, there's been a lot of losing in Philadelphia. So we're, we're used to it, you know, but at a certain point, like it's not just it's not just losing a situation like this isn't like the Sixers aren't good, which to a degree feels like you almost like kind of can't help. This is, hey, the guy who was brought in to save us is now actively trying to destroy the team a little bit. Uh, and so that's where it kind of gets. Uh,
1: Can I jump in? Can I jump in? on? Yeah, that no go for idea. it,
0: man. I- I'm sick of talking about it anyway.
1: Yeah, I'll just say. The guy that we actively like, that we wanted, to see us actively trying to destroy the team. I just feel like I agree, and we did hope that Hart won't we'll be the one. This is the guy we got. That we got our guy. We did it, Joe. Like that's his, that's what yeah, it was yeah. like. But yeah, yeah. I come back and I look at him and say, "What has he done? His last couple stops." When things are not going specifically the way he wants to, this is how he acts. So it's no different. So we shouldn't be surprised at all. Like, no fans, uh, Maury, Joe, like, nobody should be surprised. I'm a firm believer, and my mom told me this a long time ago, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And he's done it Mm. multiple times. So, like, I'm not necessarily – I'm just not necessarily surprised. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, hopefully we can be, we can be over. Hopefully this gets resolved and we can just have a pod about what we got back or that's it. But we will probably be having a pod about how, he came to training camp looking like me. So I don't know. Maybe that's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen,
0: I'm ready for Big Mama's House three. I don't know about you, but, you know, yeah. like we're, we're, we're going to get back to that, you know, at some point, maybe we'll see, uh, you know, but like you're, you know, you, you were right. You know, you were talking about kind of being numb and part of the reasons the the positivity of Tyrese Maxey's, you know, uh, supposed continued development, which uh, there's, no, there's no reason to doubt that he's uh, going to continue to develop. There's no reason to doubt that he's not a part of the future of this team. Uh, you know, when we talk about the contract extension, which we, we mentioned earlier, how he has not been extended yet, it seems very obvious why. And while it may not be the most secure of answers for, for Maxine his camp, it's because it messes with the the cap situation next year. So, uh, you know, come next year, do I think the Sixers are going to give Tyrese Maxi a max contract? Yeah, I absolutely do. You know, and, and to have that, uh, that, that rookie scale max extension, uh, I, I do think is just, you know, a reminder is it's a bit more of a, um, it's not always a steal of a deal, but it's it's a lot more palatable than like the superstar max, obviously. Uh, so to to bring him in on that, you know, to, to be able to do that after signing some free agencies with some of the projected cap space the Sixers are, are going to have in 2024, assuming that the roster doesn't look much different otherwise than it does now uh you know that's that's something that I do think is is kind of bright for the future where you talk about being able like if Joel Embiid's happy and satisfied in Philadelphia if Tyrese Maxey's seen that growth uh you know if they are able to add a free agent in 2024 and we're not here to talk about 2024 but because they insist on bringing it up we will mention it uh the other thing that really is just all that's left to be seen is you know what does Nick Nurse do with this team this season to to show what he's got going forward and I'll be flat honest with you I got from everything that I've heard from all the Sixers players who have spoken openly about Nick Nurse so far. I got a pretty good feeling about it. I mean, listening to Tyrese Maxey, listening to Jaden Springer. I don't know what's what's your quick outlook and and prediction as we wrap up. You know what what are your thoughts on on what Nurse is going to be able to do this year?
1: I just think that I'm I'm curious to see. Just the different things that he brings, right? Like, we saw, we didn't really see a lot of creativity, right? It's like you talk about creativity in basketball and coaching. It's like you could point to lineups, you could point to strategies, you could, you know, all that stuff. I just think we'll see a little more different strategies. I think we'll see, um, like, I was talking to one of my friends and I was saying, like, don't be surprised if we see a lineup at the end of the Third quarter, in the last like minute and a half or two minutes, you give Joelle a break. I don't know. I'm just making it up. Give Joelle a break, and then you see Melton, Beverly, um, Paul Reed. You see Bomba, and then you see like, I don't know, another wing on the house or even get Maxi. And then he just says full court press, like trap. And then just, you just have this super fast lineup that's just trying to trap and create havoc and get to, like, these are the things that we would never see, like you yeah. said, with, uh, like, a legacy coach like Doc because, I mean, he won a championship and he's had a lot of regular season wins and a lot of playoff wins too. And those things have worked in the past, so why wouldn't it work now? so But I'm just curious to see, like, nurses' lineups and some of his creativity and how he's going to – give Joel the ball. I mean, I know Joel probably still get it on the, on the uh, elbow, but just more creativity on Joel. Like if you don't have the quote unquote playmaker from Harden, like what that'll be. So I'm, I'm curious to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, the elbow is still going to be a factor, but you know, give me, uh, you know, give me more pick and pop, give me more outside shots all all together. You know, that's something I think is uh, if you extend Joel's range, which he's more than capable of doing, you're going to just extend his career. You're going to make him, I think, you know, even though it's a, a technically a less efficient shot, I think you will make him more overall effective as a player. Uh, and then obviously Nurse has talked about wanting to kind of improve him as a facilitator, as a passer too. Uh, I think that's going to be the major focal point for for Nick Nurse in this offense is kind of making him that Marc Gasol plus, you know, like Gasol was for the Raptors. So we'll see how that goes. You know, you're doing that with a reigning MVP. It's probably going to be a little bit of trouble, you know, just at first adjusting to a slight change in role, uh, but it's not as if you're making him go from like the, the number one guy to the number two. So that should help kind of ease that transition a little bit. Uh, and I love your, your press idea. And one only thing is we got to take out Max we got to put in Jaden Springer because I do think that he's going to have a role yes. on this team going forward. Yes. And that lineup defensively does sound nasty. So yes. uh, I do feel pretty good about Nurse going forward. It's going to be a lot of wait and see, uh, but that's just kind of the state of the Sixers right now. It's a lot of wait and see. Uh, It's a lot of just kind of bearing our souls to each other as we go through these off-season struggles. This is the worst, uh, flat out, like there's no other way to put it. This has been the worst off-season for the Sixers in a long, long time. So, uh, you know, this has been therapeutic, you know. This is what you got to have to do sometimes. You got to lean on each other, Sixers fans, during this time. You know, because at the end of the day, you just got to remember that myself, Justin, all of you out there, we're just still processing. All right. Well, we're going to catch you guys next time.
1: Peace.